Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It is a Wednesday gathering here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for jumping aboard right at the top. Uh, you got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, J Mac, the top of my sheet says this is show number 222 for us. There used to be a television show by that name, right? Uh, Room Room 222. We're dating ourselves. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Uh, And even better news is it's day 194. What does that number signify? Only 194 days until the first Sunday of action in the National Football League. I guess the question is, will there be a baseball game played between now and then that we do not know is that going to be the next time we get excited about a sporting well we got the ongoing Sixers in Philadelphia but uh, 194 days until the Sunday start yesterday was the start of the combine John and nobody ran a 40 nobody pumped any iron but uh, everybody is reporting to Indianapolis and a whole bunch of teams got to step up in front of the microphone with their coach and general manager Oh, that would not be your defending champion, Los Angeles Rams, since neither their coach or their general manager will show up at the combine this week. We debated the coach yesterday. We should debate the general manager even more. That's that's a bigger joke than the coach not showing up. How the hell can the GM not be there for tampering central? That makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know if Les is going to be there or not. I haven't looked. Report uh, said he's not planning yeah. on showing. Yeah, I don't well, know that yeah. if you've got a list. He's got, he's got, I do. I do have a list. I'm going to look at it. But yeah, uh, tell me when the Rand GM is scheduled to talk. I yeah. I I mean, if there's reports, you're probably right. He's probably you know he's probably still got his T-shirt on that says "F them picks." F them picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise just for the as you mentioned the 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 sort of convention like aspect of, of just, you know, meeting with people and agents, but, you know, as Damo pointed out yesterday, a lot of agents aren't showing up either. So, um, you know, a lot of people gotten used to the zoom thing and I guess they like it and they're doing their business that way. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. But I, I do know Les Snead is riding high, so he's not going to get many questions this year. Maybe he gets some questions next year if it falls off the rails uh, and maybe he's got to adjust. But, um, you know, part of the cachet. As we know in this town, it doesn't last long. You know, I I say it all the time. I, I thought Doug Peterson had a nice little run in him uh, because he got the Eagles over the top. Turns out he didn't make it. He made it three years. I mean, didn't make it three years, actually. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it moves quickly. And I don't know if being in a less pa- passionate football environment helps a little bit more. I would imagine it would. Uh, than here, which is obviously, you know, football crazy, um, which puts more of a sense of urgency on things. But doesn't matter what city you are in the NFL. I mean, the criticism is just around the corner. So it, we'll see how it works out. But he's that's got why, at least that much of rope, Jody, that much of rope. That's why if I'm that less need, I am certainly showing up at the combine because – Victory laps ain't what they used to be. So when you get the no. chance to actually take one, go ahead and take it, Les. You yeah. are the guy who well, uh, that's true too. You know, chips all into the middle of the table. Super Bowl win. Go ahead and take your victory lap. Yeah, take the take the pats on the back. Maybe he's a germaphobe. Maybe he doesn't want uh, the pats on the back. Who knows? Don't know if that's the case. But a bunch of teams did uh, have because everyone's going to speak at some point if you show up at all. Unlike <clears throat> Uh, you're going to have your general manager and your uh, coach speak. As a matter of fact, that's going to happen today. I know my partner, John McMullen, is going to be quite busy zooming in on Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni talking. Uh, before we get to those two guys, someone John just mentioned did talk yesterday. That would be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, who got a chance to sit in front of the media throng, however large it was, for the first time as the coach of the Tampa Bay, uh, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, He was actually more positive about former Eagle quarterback Carson Wentz than Carson's current coach and general manager (laughs) who wouldn't throw much support to Carson Wentz. Uh, Dougie P did talk about getting re-energized and being able to step back and be refreshed. And he looked like a guy who was ready to tackle that job down there in uh, Jacksonville. It's going to be a tough one because he's got a pretty bad roster and they've got to do a good job building it up. But good to see Dougie P back in the NFL mix. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I like the fact that obviously a lot of the filled up you guys that got out there early uh, um, were at his press conference, probably more. It tends to be with those things, probably more than Andy's dealt with this for years uh then his local sort of brigade and he joked a little about i guess somebody asked him what would you do differently and he said other than winning a championship (laughs) so which was a nice little flex for uh doug peterson but yeah i mean it's going to be a little bit uh lighter for him i just kind of mentioned with less need who by the way was scheduled uh to speak um so he was on the original I just looked at the original schedule uh, that they sent out to to media members, and and he was on it. Uh, so so was Sean McVay, though. So they both yeah. bowed, and so was Robert Sala. So, um, you know, a bunch of guys were scheduled. Um, uh, Les would have been. I'm looking at uh, scheduled to speak today at. Uh, 
um, uh, 3.30. Uh, but obviously that's not going to happen. So, uh, but for Doug, I mean, it's, it's got to be a little bit nicer, kind of just what I was saying to, to have a, not have 40 people uh, screaming questions at you on Wednesdays. Um, and I always tell the story about our buddy, Shio Kapadia, who we had on, was it last week? Last week, yeah. You know, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Shield started here covering the Eagles. Then he went out for a while to Seattle to cover the Seahawks. And he always told me this story. The first press conference he was out in Seattle, he was used to being in Philadelphia. So you're, you're like, you know, if you want to get a question in, you're like, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to go. And Shield gave out his booming voice to Pete Carroll. And tried to out scream everybody. And Pete Carroll just looked at him and said, What are you what are you screaming at? <laughs> because, you know, it's more laid back in other places. And, you know, everybody's gotta get used to it. But I, I think Doug is going to enjoy that at least at the start. But again, doesn't matter what city you're in, eventually, if you don't if you don't have success, you you're gonna start to hear about it pretty quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Or how did Urban Meyer's tenure in Jacksonville? Yeah, it exactly. did come apart pretty quickly, as a matter of fact. I'm going to go out on a limb and go, Doug Peterson lasts longer as the head coach of the Jaguars than Urban That's Meyer. That's a good bet. That's take it. It. If you can get that big, prop bet, take it. Big, big chance on that one. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about the Doug's new team, the Jaguars, Trent Falke spoke as well, and it was announced that they are tabling their attempt to bring in someone else to aid in the front office, executive vice president, whatever title they were going to give him. Um, Rick Fieldman from uh, Minnesota was long being rumored <clears throat> to be that guy to step in there and join the fray. They decided, yeah, you know, we'll step off on that. We'll back up a little bit. We don't really need to add another voice to the organization as of right now. Um, I don't want to say that that was kind of one of the reasons why Peterson was involved with the job, wanted to get the job. If he didn't like Trent Falke and there were a bunch of coaches that basically came out and said, yeah, we don't want to work underneath this guy. Uh, part of the buffer was that they were going to bring in someone else. Well, now they've said that that's not necessary. So Trent Falke, who yesterday said, oh, we're open for business for the first pick in the draft. If anybody wants to talk to us about trading up, I guess he's running everything again this year, J.M. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you you mentioned alluded to a little bit of uh, Trent Balky's history, and it's it's not good when it comes to uh, getting it. You can go all the way back to his days in San Francisco and the success that uh, Jim Harbaugh had there, um, and those two started to clash, and there was uh, sort of infighting, and that's what essentially ended uh Jim Stin out there which if you look back on it just from a record standpoint that didn't make a lot of sense when they when they when you know the 49ers kind of essentially chose Trent Palkey over Jim Harbaugh but um in Jacksonville you mentioned let's be honest their first choice was Byron Leftwich and Byron didn't want to go if Trent Palkey was there and for whatever reason and these are these things behind the scenes and, and, and political maneuverings that happened in every office environment in, in the country, probably. So um, 
they happen in the NFL too. And we've been privy to a bunch of them here in Philadelphia with Howie Roseman. Some of the same criticisms you've heard over the years certainly lessened, have lessened in his second stint as GM as opposed to his first uh, when he had a real difficult time getting along with people. Seems to have learned from it. So maybe that happens with Trent Palkey. I, I do know that Shad Khan specifically uh, put out a, a, a statement that said, and this is interesting too from an Eagles perspective, Jody, they're, gonna, they're really happy with Doug's leadership and they're going to put a lot on his plate. And that was kind of the exact opposite of what was going on here. Um, so it, it that's going to be an interesting dichotomy to look at from uh, an Eagles fan's perspective to see how Doug does for obvious reasons and for less obvious reasons, because I'm more interested in the in behind the scenes stuff. I, I know he can coach. I know he can uh, put together game plans, despite what people think. I, I know he can do all that stuff. So are the Eagles correct in saying he couldn't manage his coaches properly? He he couldn't bring in – he didn't know enough coaches and all this kind of stuff, and he we needed to help him through these types of things. Uh, uh, I, I never bought it, and we're going to see it play out in real time. Nor did I. And he was a guy who was uh, part of bringing Frank Reich here to Philadelphia that helped to lead to the Super Bowl victory they got. And I think it was ironic that uh, Frank Reich also spoke on the first day that Doug Peterson had a chance to address the media uh, as the new head coach of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And Frank Reich took Carson Wentz's back more than his general manager did. But to say it was kind of a backhanded compliment I think that's the way you'd have to judge it. He did say, hey, I stuck my neck out for him, which basically tells you he was the driving force in there acquiring Frank Reich. And he said, I still believe in Carson Wentz, but I believe he's going to be a good quarterback. I just don't know if it's going to be here or somewhere else. Not exactly what you want to hear from your coach. If you're a one-year acquired, uh, supposedly franchise-level quarterback, even Frank Reich, who admitted, yeah, this is kind of on me. I was the guy who vouched for Carson Wentz and pushed the organization to make the acquisition. And not a ringing endorsement. I guess he's got to be on the same page with Chris Ballard. Yeah. Ballard said, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not committing to anything. We're continuing to evaluate. Hello, the season's been over for months now. What needs to be? How, much, how many times do you have to go back to the tape to look and see what Carson did or didn't do at the end of the season? Yeah, well, Ballard remember, you know, the Eagles went through this last year with Carson. You know, they're trying to trade him, remember? So, I mean, one of the things that criticized Chris Ballard for, which is one of those weird things, Chris is one of those GMs that you can't criticize. I don't know. There's certain guys, and I talk about this all the time, and I can't figure it out, that they're above uh, critiquing. I, I don't know. I think he's a good GM, but I think he's made plenty of mistakes. Either way, I, I mean, you, you don't – there's no – there's nothing to gain from pointing out uh, what a failure Carson Wentz was when you're trying to get something back for him, anything back for him. You know, you play the game. You talk him up a little bit, you, you know. And I think that's what Frank was trying to do. I, I, I actually think 
Frank didn't come across great either, to be honest, because I think he was trying to do it. But, you know, when you say I stuffed my knuck out, I believe, you know, for him last year. Uh, and as he mentioned, I believe he's going to have a lot of success that might be here or somewhere else. I don't know. That's kind of tepid, too. For my, yeah. It's a little bit better than Chris Ballard, but it's kind of tepid. Um but we all know, I mean, it, it, but you got to play the game. And, you know, it's not – as essentially, Chris Bowden and, and even Jim Irsay, they said, well, oh, this guy, this they, – they've essentially signaled to everyone, he's done, he's one and done. And it's not the way I, you're so supposed let, to play the let, game. Let me uh, put you on the spot here, big guy. Um, Carson Wentz had the season he had. The numbers on paper do not look terrible. No, so we know that up. We know he faltered badly at the end of the season. We know, well, we don't know. We speculate that uh, the fact that he refused to get vaccinated, tested positive, missed practices down the stretch, didn't miss a game, but he missed some practices, and you can uh, dictate how much that affected his poor play late in the season in the last couple of games. Um, what is Caution Wentz worth on the open market? Pretty much that, nothing. <laughs> that's what I mean. So you're 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 giving me this narrative. Of, ooh, they're protecting their interest in being able to trade him. Who's trading for him? What well, team out there is going to go? Yeah, give us Carson Wentz. We'll I give still you a think, pick. Please give us Carson Wentz. I I still think there are desperate enough teams, and, and I'm talking obviously day three picks at this point, uh, a day three pick. But you can get something. I still think they might get something, even though they they've approached it terribly. I mean, we're we're looking at teams like Washington, and 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 certainly they were the most above. Well, Denver as well was above board about going after a quarterback, and now it's becoming clearer and clearer. Bruce Arians said, you know, these veteran quarterbacks people thought might be available, they're not going to be available. Um, so. The, the pool is shrinking rapidly. At least that's the thought around the league now. So, you know, the pie in the sky, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson stuff seems to be shrinking very quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson's the curveball and, and Bruce Arians and, and God bless him for being so honest. He, he, you know, he was asked about Deshaun Watson. And he said he loved the kid, but, you know, that's an organizational decision. That's out of my hands. That's every single organization in this league. That's got to be a Jeffrey Lurie decision. Nobody else. That's that's that reaches that level yep. in, in every city in the NFL. Um, so nobody can count on if you're a GM, you can't just count on going after Deshaun Watson. Um, so there's a lot of hurdles there. And then we talk talk about Kirk Cousins. Well, all right, you want to pay him thirty five million dollars? I I I don't know. Would, would you rather have Kirk Cousins for thirty five or Carson Wentz for nineteen? <sighs> I I'd rather have Kirk Cousins because I think Kirk Cousins is a better player. But I think there's I think more people would be on the other side of that fence just because of the money. Um, uh, Derek Carr as well because of the money. Um, yeah, and and you know, I've been talking about this for a while, and I'm going to continue to talk about it. I I think people are very short sighted with the money, and I 
talk about it with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you have a very, very small window where he's not going to be expensive. Then yeah. he's getting expensive. Um, and 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 the salary cap is going to spike dramatically in 2023. People don't realize that because that's when really the new television deals really kick in. Um, so it's going to spike even further. And obviously he's going to get the ma- the majority of that advance in the salary cap quarterbacks. So numbers that look astronomical now aren't going to look astronomical in a very short period of time. And then when you play up the numbers, as you, a lot of people in this new age of football, they all they do, Jody, they don't even look at the film. They look at this. They look at numbers. They look at pieces of paper. And you can go look at Carson Wentz's numbers and say, well, that's not that bad. And then you start to rehabilitate the leadership aspect, which is tough. I'm saying that's what I would do. I would try to rehabilitate the image to try to get something for him. I think that makes the most sense. I think, unfortunately, to use an overused phrase, the horse is out of the barn. I, I don't think well be, but I, I, I don't try. think you can lead them back in and try and shiny up his coat and see if you can get something in exchange for him. I think it's done. I think either I think you got there are three ways you can play, and the one you're suggesting I think is the least possible. Uh, put up a good front to try and trade him and get something for him. Double back and go. Yeah, you know we we can't take nothing. We're better off giving him another chance. Frank, you want one more chance to get this kid to work or you just cut ties? To me, the most likely one is that they're going to be able to trade him. I think they either keep him and say, hey, the season wasn't that bad. We had a bad chance. Blame it on COVID. And, of course, that's Carson because he didn't want to get uh, yeah. vaccinated. But COVID could be much less of a factor in 2022. So it's not going to derail Carson. So we're going back with the kid. I think that's more likely to happen and or him being cut is more likely to happen than him actually getting traded. Well, I think they want him out of the building. Um, and I think it has more to do with the off-the-field stuff than the on-the-field stuff. Um and if that's the case, I think you should be, and I would ask, if I were an owner, I would ask my general manager um, to do everything possible to get salvage something out of it, is my only point. But then again, if I'm a GM, I would tell my owner, hey, well, then help me. Don't uh, do the things you're doing. So really, I look at, you know, Frank handled it the best of the three, Um and I think that's the way it should go. But Frank should have known as well. I've seen live and in person Frank's frustrations with the stubbornness of Carson Wentz. He he knew what he was getting. So well, I'm a little surprised that he stuck his neck out, to be uh, honest. He he was the one yesterday who said, I stuck my neck out. So yeah. Yes, he did say that's on me. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Coming back next, we're going to talk to Matt Verderham. Fansided.com, national NFL reporter, host of uh, Stack in the Box podcast, been a guest with us previously. Looking forward to talk to him. He is in Indianapolis for the Combine. We'll punch up Matt Verderam of Fansided next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. 
Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald. We are joined by a third party. He is out in Indianapolis for day two of the Combine. The gathering was yesterday. You actually get to hear from some of the players today. Uh, maybe that's why Matt Verderam says, listen, I got to be out of there by 20 minutes too because I got nine o'clock interviews I got to check. Matty V, good to see you. Who is it you're looking forward to hearing from at nine o'clock? Well, I got to just get over there. I think that the first group of people um, that are that are really interesting to me starting about an hour after that, which is the quarterbacks. You have Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis follows right after that. Um, there's Carson Strong, there's Desmond Ritter. The NFL did us all a favor, of course, by having all these guys go at the exact same time. Um, <laughs> it, it, it'll be uh, it's always interesting, right, to, to get a hold of these guys as the quarterbacks all talk. Um, so there's some receivers that go today as well. Uh, that are interesting. So there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, big names that, that to talk today, and then they'll continue to talk all the way through Saturday. Well, Matt, obviously quarterbacks are always the headline. And yesterday, a bunch of coaches and GMs spoke, and that was kind of the theme, whether it was Bruce Arians playing Motel 6 with Tom Brady. They're going to leave the light on for him, but they're not going to let him play anywhere else. I was surprised Brian Gutekind said, nope, nobody's called us about Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what Indianapolis is doing with Carson Wentz. I mean, 
with Jody and I were just talking about it. I would at least try to, you know, try to recapture something and, and try to talk them up a little bit, but they seem to be going in a different direction. Russell Wilson's talking up his love of Seattle in other avenues. This quarterback market looked like it could be historic, but all of a sudden it's shrinking dramatically. Is that the feel you get from Indy? Yeah, which is funny because a couple of months ago, I remember talking to people in the league, like, like decision makers in the league, who said, yeah, it's going to be wild. They're going to have a lot of quarterbacks on the move. I think, you know, now, yeah, Rodgers looks like he's going to stay. Wilson looks like he's probably going to stay. And so all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, Watson, who knows what's going to happen with that. I mean, that that has been yeah. an ongoing legal issue, obviously, for, for at this point about a year. Um, and, and then I think like, the guys who are going to get moved are guys who don't maybe move the needle. It's, I mean, it's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's Carson Wentz. And, you know, give Garoppolo his due. He wins a lot of games. But I don't know that anybody's over the moon excited about acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo. Carson Wentz, you got to factor in the Colts have spent a first and a third round pick. Obviously, you guys are very familiar with Carson Wentz. Um, and they're already looking to essentially just dump him. I mean, I, I don't know that they're even going to be able to get any kind of value for him. And Chris Ballard yesterday wouldn't even say believe him. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was, it was one more bizarre thing. Like he literally would not say he believed them. It was it was wild. And then you know Frank Reich essentially a couple hours later was like, you know, I stuck my neck out for him. We'll see what happens. I still think he's got some good football in him. And then proceeded to say, well, you know, whether that's here or somewhere else, I still think he can play football. I mean, that's that's not exactly driving up trade value. Uh, it was it was very very bizarre. I, I wrote a whole I wrote a column about it. I thought of all the teams yesterday, they easily were the ones that made the biggest headlines. Yeah, very interesting. See how it plays. I John and I debated. Uh, he thinks they can actually get a day three pick for him. I don't think it's out there. I think they're going to have to cut Carson Wentz if they want to move on from him. I I want to bring it back to the the, the combine and the players. Um, they'll start uh, the media session today, and uh, you're going to run off and, and try and get it in touch with at least a couple of the quarterbacks. Not the quarterback class, the whole class. The last 24 hours you spent in Indy talking to guys around, people have opinions before they go through their 40-yard drafts and their bench presses on what they accomplished during the year. Is this a outstanding draft class, a good draft class, an average draft class, or a, yeah, this is as good as years gone by kind of draft class? What are you getting as far as feel for the overall quality of this year's draft class? So I don't think it's as strong as previous years. now. Overall, you get the feeling that, yeah, it's probably below average. Um, I will say, though, I think at receiver and at corner to an extent, and certainly at edge rusher, it's a really good draft. Like Most people feel that it's very deep at edge, it's very deep at receiver. There are some very good corners to be had. Um, but I, you know, And I think a lot of, too, like the, the way it's viewed is, is through the prism of like the quarterbacks just aren't good. Right. At least that's how it's perceived. Um, and so you're going to have quarterbacks going first round as a quarterback. But I don't know that anybody feels any of these guys are legitimate top 10 picks. Right. Even though you'll probably have one in the top 10, maybe even two of them. Um, you, you know, I think running backs, like there's no star running back. I don't think you're going to have a guy going in the first round. Um, you, know, you start looking at it. It's just it's not. 
it's not a star-studded class. I mean, certainly there are some really good tackles at the beginning, you know, <laughs> the wheel and Icky Iquano. Um, but it doesn't have the juice that some other classes do. Uh, so I, I think there's I think there's some spots where it could be really good and really deep, but overall it's probably a little bit underwhelming compared to other years. Um, Matt, uh, because the Eagles start the process at, at 15, 16, 19. So, you know, every year we kind of hear this thought that uh, there's not 32 first-round picks. You know, NFL teams tell you that all the time. And there's sort of this cutoff point where legitimate first-round grades, and it usually happens, right, like 15 to 20, guys will tell you, well, this guy's legitimate. And that's right where the Eagles are. So I'm interested if you've asked that question of anyone around the league, what they're saying, what kind of feedback, how deep is the top of this draft when you see that true level one drops off to that next level? You know, I haven't asked that exact question, but I think that the overall point of view is that teams want to trade back because there's not, there's, you know, once you get past the Neils and the Aquanos and the Hutchinsons, right? Like, I don't know that there's that that superstar level player. Um, at least, again, at least if people think it's a superstar level player, we'll see how their careers play out. Um, but I think people think there's some depth, and I, and I, I think people feel like, look, is there a big difference between pick twelve and pick thirty two? Probably not as much, maybe as in recent years, where the cutoff points maybe somewhere in the twenties. So I think people want to trade back. Um, that's not all that different from past years in the sense that teams always want to trade back, right? That's always kind of been, that's been the, the in vogue thing now for a while because everybody wants more picks. We talked to George Payton. He was the first GM that we spoke to yesterday out of Denver. And he said, Hey, look, every year I want to try to have 10 picks. Well, I mean, you know, that that means you're trying to acquire three extra picks or at least in theory. So I think you're going to see teams try to move back. And again, you know, not to beat the same drum, but I think it's driven by the fact that a lot of times, why are teams up in the top 10? Well, they need quarterbacks, right? Like in a lot of cases, not every case, but a lot of cases. But this year, you're not thrilled to be drafting a quarterback at six. It's not what you want to be doing. So um, I think you're going to see teams try to trade back. And with Philadelphia, because of all those first round picks, you know, I'm curious to see do they try to, you know, move one of those picks before the draft. Um, you know, do they, do they try to get a veteran guy? I mean, because um, they have so much draft ammunition. Maybe they use it to try to get an established guy. Maybe they try to get somebody, um, you know, who they, you know, like a, like a Calvin Ridley type, right? Like somebody who they can just say, hey, look, let's go get this guy. Yeah, we've got to pay him. Fine. At least we know we're getting a star player. Um, I think that's in the cards maybe for them as well. All right, very specific individual player question for you. I think perhaps the biggest needle mover, certainly the best player at his position because there's a drop-off after him, I think it's Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. And the NFL just in general doesn't value safeties the way they do some other positions. The Philadelphia Eagles, certainly a franchise who have handled their business the exact same way. Safety, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, put a lot of resources toward it, high draft pick, a lot of money for a free agent. They just haven't done it. Um, but I think this kid is better at his position maybe than anyone else in the draft. 
how hard how how deep does he fall how much does the way the league looks at safety affect his draft status I saw Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network yesterday had him falling to the Eagles at number 15. Uh, more drafts say, if you really want him, you're going to have to move up to get him. And I don't know if the Eagles would do that. Give me your scouting report on Kyle Hamilton. And how do you think he falls on draft day? Yeah, look, he's definitely, I mean, he's a terrific player. Um, I I think he, he fits somewhere in the top 10, right? I mean, I think, look, Jacksonville probably goes with a tackle. Um, I think Hutchinson's going to Detroit. Like that, Hutchinson's a Dearborn, Michigan kid. They are all about their toughness and their physicality and everything with Dan Campbell and John Dorsey being there and Brad Holmes. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Then he started looking at Houston. You know, would Houston take a safety at three with all their needs? You know, I I don't know. You know, you start looking at the Jets, the Giants. Again, I, I don't see him going top five. But I think that six to ten range is probably where he fits one way or another in there. Um, you know, I think Atlanta should take a quarterback I, if if they like one of them. But if they don't, would they, would they take? I mean, they you know they need so much help on on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, when you look at the history of the draft, you're right, Jody. I mean, safeties don't go very high. Typically. You know, the last I'm doing this off the top of my head, but the last guy I can think of that was safety that went top five is Eric Berry, probably in 2010. I mean, you're talking a long time ago, right? So I mean, it's history says he will not go that high, but because his class is not overwhelming, I do wonder if, if that helps him, maybe pushes him up a few slots where in other years, you know, he would, he would probably fall a little bit. Matt, uh, uh, to follow up a little, little bit on Kyle, and this will be my last one. Cause I know you got to run, but, um, and this is sort of a philosophy thing with the entire NFL. And I'm going to make the comparison to Micah Parsons because this time last year, people would argue is Micah Parsons an off-ball linebacker? Is he in the edge rusher? Turns out he's both, and much more than that. Right. Uh, I, I'm starting to call these guys difference makers. I, I don't call Kyle Hamilton a safety. If you have an inventive defensive mind, he can play all over the place. Um, he can play slot. He can play linebacker. He can play both safety positions. He can be that Swiss Army piece. Does the league – and I – Kind of saw the trend a little bit with Isaiah Simmons. It hasn't necessarily worked out with Arizona, but at times he flashes. Is the league at least trending a little bit more toward the positionless player on defense? Will they look at that and say, okay, Kyle Hamilton isn't just a safety? I think it depends on how progressive the coaching staff is and how they they feel – uh, a certain player fits like Dan Quinn is maybe not a great head coach, but he's a really good coordinator. And he was able to utilize that skill set in a way that I don't know other, other teams would have. Right. I think, you know, maybe they're more rigid. I remember um, a couple of years ago when Isaiah Simmons, you know, I mentioned Arizona, right? Like everybody yeah. thought, Oh, he'll, he'll play all over the field. Well, yeah. they, they've struggled to kind of figure out his best position. Um, you know, and we've seen guys who've come out who have had good careers who have kind of been that positionalist guy. Shaq Thompson was a guy in Carolina, right? The heat, you know, play linebacker, play safety. Um, I do think the NFL is moving towards a little bit of that because I remember 10 years ago, you know, whenever you talked about a defensive player, there was a lot of like, well, is he a 4 3 guy? Is he a 3 4 guy? You know, there's always a lot of that stuff. 
you don't hear that as much now because with teams always playing three wide receivers, you're always a nickel and dime anyway, right? So whether or not it, like if you're a three four team, but you're in dime all the time, and it, you're and you're you're really a, you're really a three two six team, right? Like does it does it really matter? You know, if the guy stands up, he's got a hand in the dirt. Like whereas in the nineties, right? Like like. If the third receiver came on the field, everybody in the 90s had a heart attack. It was like, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to get our corner out there. How are we going to? Now, you're always in sub packages, right? Like a lot of teams have 75 plus percent of their their snaps in sub packages. So I think, A, it's yes, a little bit more positionless, but also I just think because of that, you can't be as rigid. So it doesn't matter as much. If hey, this guy's a stand-up guy on the edge, or this guy's a hand in the dirt guy, because in the end, you know, you're you're not. It doesn't it doesn't have as much of an impact as it used to have based on the way the game's played. All right. No, you got to run, but I got one quickie for you. Yesterday, I was questioning slash critical of the world champion Los Angeles Rams coach choosing not to show up in Indianapolis. So I can do my all my work from film. The the most influential guy in the league these days. You have a cup of coffee with him, you get a job as an assistant coach somewhere. Uh, he decided not to show up. Today, I found, or yes, I found out that Les Snead's not going to be there either, the general manager. And I say, how can you do that? If you're the GM of a team, this is rumor central. This is tampering central. you got to be in Indianapolis. How does Les Snead not show? Well, he got a T-shirt that said F the picks. He could get a T-shirt that says F Jody Mack. How dare he critique <laughs> me? I'm the GM of the champions of the uh, National Football League. Is Left Snead doing this organization a disservice by not showing up here? You know, look, I'm, I'm very biased because I'm here as a media member who loves to talk to all these guys. But I, I, I think you talk to most people in the league, and they think there's a ton of value in being here. And I, I think, you know, it – People have the wrong perception of the combine. I think a lot of fans, because they, they, you know, they turn the TV and they see the 40-yard dash, right? Yeah. And they, they see all these things. A lot of these teams, I don't want to say they don't care about the workouts. They care, but they don't. That is far and away down on the list for them. They, they're not worried about some guy running a 40, unless it really stands out one way or the other. They don't really care. They're far more concerned with the medical evaluations, and they're far more concerned with the interviews. And they're far more concerned about meeting a guy at the JW bar and hashing out what may or may not be a contract that they won't ex- they won't discuss until March 14th <laughs> at noon Eastern, uh, when really it was written out on a napkin over a couple of Roman cokes, right? Like that's that's reality. So I I think for the Rams, do you miss something by not being here? And you run that risk for sure. Like I I think. The, the combine needs an overhaul in some regards in terms of the way they treat the prospects. I think most people in the league feel that way. But I also think the combine is so much more than on-field drills. It, there's really – there's so much more. And look, the Rams will get the medical evals anyway, and they'll get they'll, – they'll interview these kids. But I think it's a missed opportunity because anytime you can get information in this league, you want to do it. So – I, I I understand why they don't come, but I also think it's a missed opportunity. Glad to hear that I'm not the only one who's not going to get a Christmas card from Les Snead this no. year. The championship Christmas card. 
Verderam's not getting one either. I'm I'm sorry I dragged you down to the muck and mire with me, Matt, but I'm glad to have company. Hey, uh, buddy, know you got some work to do. Thank you very much for coming on with us this morning. We'll be reading you at Fansided, following the podcast, stacking the box. Matt Verderam, our pleasure. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matty Matt. V from uh, Fansided here with us on uh, Birds 365. John, you you were out there. I've never been. Never been to the Combine. Never covered the Combine. Been to Indianapolis. Did a uh, baseball winter meeting there one time. And the layout of the city is kind of different and everything is all grouped together and the like. But you've been there and I've talked to enough people. It's, it's your chance to network. I don't know if it's the Rams stance that we don't need a network. We're the champions. We'll do things. We'll dictate terms. You can do that when you're uh, holding a trophy in your hand, the Lombardi trophy. I guess you can get away with it. But I just don't get why you wouldn't want to have all your key players in Indianapolis this week for network networking and informational purposes. Yeah, I mean, I I was playing devil's advocate with you yesterday. I actually agree with you and Matt. I, I would go out there. And one thing that struck out that what Matt just said is you risk missing something. I know that firsthand because I'm not out there. I was risking missing something. And guess what, Jody? I'm missing something. Right. And uh, I don't want to be missing it, but I'm missing it. Uh, and that's, you know, it, it obviously as a media member to a much lesser degree than, than an executive. But, you know, as I've said, as he said, Damo yesterday, uh, everybody uh, uh, talks about the behind the scenes stuff is the more important aspect uh, the, the, the 40 yard dash, the 225 bench. They don't care about that. Only if it's Orlando Brown Jr. And you have the outlier where somebody does so bad or so good that it might move them up a little bit, but they know what to expect. And if you're in that box, it's not going to be that big of a deal. The, the, the bigger part is getting to know the kids and, and also from uh, a larger perspective of roster building, you know, getting that starting to make those decisions in advance of the, the first day of the league year on March 16th, you, 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 you don't just show up to March 16th and go, all right, let's start doing some things. Let's start figuring out who's going to stay. Who's going to No, you got all that stuff done. You know, firmly. Okay. Who do we want back? Who do we don't want back? The Eagles are very, they pretty much gotten it all done way before, uh, you know, with all the extensions of the key players, but even the little decisions like, okay, who are we going to tender? You know, is Boston Scott worthy of this tender, Alex Singleton, so and so and so. You make these decisions, you talk with the agents, and, and the higher profile players, you know, guys who are potential cap casualties, you know, you got to talk with their agents, and, and the Rams are certainly in this category where they got to make some difficult decisions because they have so many high profile players who are highly paid. Is this guy uh, willing to take less money? Is this guy willing to take an extension? All this kind of stuff starts at the combine. So, yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity as well. Um, but I do leave that door just a little bit open to say, um, you know, and the one thing, and I say this all the time, the one thing I got from Chip Kelly, because I don't think he was a, a good head coach. I also don't think he was as bad as some people shake out. But when Chip first got here and he, he, he told everybody in the organization, 
he never wants to hear we're doing it that way because that's the way we've always done it. And he wanted people to think about other ways to get something accomplished. And I, I do take that seriously as an older person because sometimes we get pigeonholed into, and, and I'm more old school than not. Uh, I think you're more old school than not. Um, but I do try my best to, to leave the mind open to look at new ways of doing things. And I, I've said all along, and I said about Sean McVay as a coach, I said it leading up to the Super Bowl. I said, I don't necessarily get it why everybody thinks this guy is the greatest coach in the history of the world. But then I do, I look at the success and I say, well, he's doing something right. So what, what is it? Because, and, and mainly I was talking about on the field, because I don't think he's the greatest game manager and he makes some mistakes on the field. And, you know, I get people say, well, the preparation is unbelievable. And maybe it's the stuff during the week and how he sets things up. And so I try to leave my mind open for new ways of doing things. But what Matt, you know, stuck that rings true is anytime you have a chance to get information, get information. I mean, you know, how's that going to hurt you? So that's what I've kind of been saying for the last two days about the coach of the Rams yesterday and about the general manager of the Rams today. Hey, the hometown team will be well represented. We know that because both Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are scheduled to talk to the media today. And John will certainly be zooming in on that. And we'll be talking about it plenty tomorrow here on Birds 365. I'm assuming Andy Weidel is going to be out there as well. Don't know. We're not there. But the assumption would be that he's there. Uh, I don't know if he's home watching film like Les Snead is, but uh, <laughs> assuming that Andy Weidel is there, he has been floated out there. Well, I should say more than floated because he actually interviewed for the Pittsburgh general manager job. Um, that's a really weird situation. Talk about you got to do things the same way because that's the way we've been doing them forever. Well, Pittsburgh is eschewing that and saying, no, here's the way we're going to go forward with our team. The general manager, Kevin Colbert, has decided to retire, retire, but he's not retiring till after the draft. He and his bosses, the Roonies, the owners, decided, no, we'd rather have him stick around and run our draft and then turn the organization over to somebody else. Well, if he's going to run the draft, he's going to be the key mover and shaker in free agency, which comes up before the draft. And the Steelers have some major decisions to make on their organization, including <laughs> who's going to be their next quarterback since Mr. Roethlisberger is joining Mr. Uh, uh, Colbert, their general manager, only he's doing it already ahead of time. Um, if you're up for that job, a guy like Andy Weidel, is it a better gig or is it a lesser gig? Because your number one is kind of a free pass. You didn't put uh, the yeah. team together. You didn't show up until after the draft happened. So you're using somebody else's players for at least your number one. I'm sure that it's frustrating because if you get that job, you want to put your fingerprints on it ASAP. What do you think about the Pittsburgh general manager's position this year under different circumstances than the way things are usually done in the National Football League? Well, number one, it's a great job because it's Pittsburgh. So, I mean, yeah, I always talk about continuity. I mean, that's the definition of Pitt, the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, – and they're very structured and very, and you know, if you get hired by the Steelers, they're not going to be one of those teams that listen to social media and 
um, you know, a year goes by and they say, oh, we got to go in a different direction. So number one, because it's Pittsburgh, it's a great job. Um, but number two, yeah, it might be a little bit frustrating, but I think it's a better situation to go in uh, after the draft um, as a GM, especially with the team that, look, they have some issues. Obviously, they have to get a quarterback. So, you know, it's always difficult when you don't have a quarterback. Um, but you do have a little bit of time to get your feet under you as opposed to, you know, let's look at Brandon Brown and Ian Cunningham or or anybody who got, you know, the GM jobs, you know, Joe Schoen and, and Ryan Poles in those two specific instances with the Giants and the Bears. You know, they got to go. They got to go. They they don't have a lot of time. They haven't been working on this. A, a team with a, 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 a personnel department in place in a, in a well-entrenched GM, they've been working on this thing for months of the whole year, both from the college and the pro aspect, and they know exactly what they want to do. If you're one of these new GMs, and there's quite a few of them around the league, you're behind the eight ball as far as time and as far as getting things together um, and getting things ready for not only the draft, but free agency as well. So I I would think, you know, it might be a little bit frustrating, as you said, Jody, to not be able to put your stamp on the team immediately. But I would think it's a much better situation over the long term to get your feet in the building, learn about the players you do have, sort of understand and evaluate them and then understand where you got to go from that point. I, right. I think it would best case scenario, to be honest. Let me make you Andy Weidel for a minute and I'll be Kevin Colbert uh, and I'm going to make a big decision and basically lay it in your lap to go forward. You tell me whether you are happy or not with that. Uh, like you said, Pittsburgh's going to have a new quarterback next year. They don't have any choice. It's Ben Roethlisberger's uh, Swanson. He's done. Um, it could be Mason Rudolph. They said that they're going to bring Dwayne Haskins back. Uh, I think there's a better chance they're going to go outside the organization and add another QB. I uh, don't think it's going to be Deshaun Watson or uh, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, the top-level quarterback, so you're down to the next level. There's a guy out there who's going to be a free agent, and they don't even have to trade for him, that I think would be a really good fit with Pittsburgh. If you are Andy Weidel, you're taking over your team, and Kevin Colbert has handed you a Jameis Winston-led franchise. Are you happy with that? If you're the new GM, they go out, they get Jameis Winston, pluck him as a free agent. I, I think you can probably get him on a one-year deal. If it's two, that's the max. But Jameis is surely not getting a multi-year deal. He signed a one-year deal this past year and then went ahead and got hurt. He was playing okay until he got hurt, but he got hurt. So it's probably a one-year deal. You okay with Jameis as a bridge one-year quarterback for the Steelers, Mr. New Steelers GM? I am okay from a football perspective, but I got to hear the numbers first um, uh, from a salary perspective. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, one of the names I brought up yesterday, as we see the quarterback market kind of dry up, Jody, um, and, and the big names certainly look uh, less likely to be on the move, all of a sudden – you know, I think you're going to have a bidding war between certain teams for the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world and even uh, 
you know, <laughs> one of the, you, you're hearing it, you've probably seen it. All of a sudden, Mitchell Trubisky is is a starting quarterback in this league again. And, you know, he's going to get, you know, maybe people have joked the Mike Glennon deal back in the day uh, and where people look at it and go, what? Um, so, I'm, I, look, you can't find the answer every year. So if you need a bridge, you need a bridge. There's no harm in 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 using a bridge. So if Jameis Winston is willing to come in on that one year deal and you know very cost effective rate, yeah, I have no issue with it. Right. If I you can't said, find the long term answer. You said you wanted to hear the contest. So I'm since I'm giving you hypothetical, I give you the number. He made five point five million dollars last year as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I would be fine with that. In fact, I would prefer that than wasting three years on Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know, if in other words, I'm not going to talk myself into thinking Mitchell Trubisky could be the long term answer. Um, I'd rather go the bridge route. Sometimes you just got to admit, look, I, there's no path to get the long term answer right now. The Eagles might be in that situation. They might be in that exact situation. There's no path, so we got to go forward with a bridge. But you got to keep looking. You got to keep looking. You got to keep your eyes open. You got to keep uh, uh, understanding the market and where it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I would have no problem with Jameis Winston. So you think Trubisky's going to get that much better a deal? Than Jameis Winston, I think he's getting multiple years, and we'll see. I mean, if if it restricts to the point with the veteran guys, we always talk about that. People think now it's restricting. In other words, if Rodgers isn't going anywhere, if Wilson isn't going anywhere, if Cousins isn't going anywhere, if Carr isn't going anywhere, um, and that and the biggest names that are going are Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz. Uh, am I missing somebody? Deshaun Watson, I put off to the side. Um, um, trying to think if I'm missing anyone. But if those are the 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 jewels of the market, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, those types, uh, and, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be in that same conversation. He's going to get multiple years, and somebody's going to talk themselves into this is our quarterback. And that is frightening to me. Should be a little bit frightening. I'm not a big Trubisky guy. I told you I thought he was going to land, and that's the Giants because I'm not a Daniel Jones fan a little bit, and he's got the connection with the general manager and the coach. Uh, I don't know if the Giants would give him away. I think they're going to bring him in to compete, but not necessarily hand him a multi-year contract while Daniel Jones is still on his first contract. I don't know where Trubisky's going to land. Interesting that you think he's going to get a multi-year deal. Pittsburgh All right, John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. Real quick, Jody. Pittsburgh might, be, Pittsburgh might be one of those situations. Yeah, I, I, just a guess. I think the general manager is going to work very hard to get the best one-year quarterback that he can get. I think he wants to leave the organization in good hands for 2022. I think he wants to give them a chance to make the playoffs again, like they did this last year, kind of snuck in the back door when the the the, the Chargers didn't play for a tie and yeah. decided to go for a win. Instead, uh, he could have got squeezed out, but they did make the playoffs, but got easily picked off. 
I think they're going to be in that same mode, but I don't think he's going multi-year contract. I don't think he's going to do that to the new GM. GM. I think that uh, if Kenny, if Kenny Pickett doesn't fall down to them, I don't think they're trading up for a QB, and I don't think they're signing a quarterback to a multi, multi-year QB. I think that they'll leave that in the hands of the new general manager. He's just going to leave him a one-year guy. I hope you're right, and they usually make good decisions, but quarterback desperation makes franchises crazy, uh, and that's why they make mistakes. That's a good point, too. John McMullen, and Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys, here on Birds 365. We're going to hear from Howie and Nick today. What are we going to hear from Howie and Nick today? I haven't heard from him since the season ended. It was more about what had just transpired, wrapping up a season. Now we're looking forward to the future with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll get Johnny Mac's thoughts on what we could be hearing from Howie and Nick next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got Matt here on Birds 365, Jen McLean and Jody McDonald. Uh, it is Combine Week. In the NFL, we know the Eagle contingency is out in Indianapolis, uh, and we'll hear from both Harry Roseman and uh, Nick Sirianni today. The last time we heard from either of these two guys was after the Eagles had been eliminated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, new slant. We've gone through seasons before with Harry Roseman, but a new position for Nick Sirianni because he was not the uh, Eagles quarterback at last year's combine for uh, Eagles uh, coach for last year's combine for a very simple reason. There wasn't the combine last year because we were still dealing with COVID issues. So he didn't get a chance to play this game. You and I have kind of kicked it back and forth here. And now number one, the value of the combine, what you can get out of it, what an organization could do to put themselves into a better uh, position going forward. What do you think Sirianni's going to have to save day? It'll be a combination of looking back, but also looking ahead. We going to get anything of value out of his uh, press gathering today? Well, uh, I I don't know if it's valuable, but I I want to give our buddy Dave Zangaro a shout out since uh, he's the first one to put it out there that I saw. So Um, the Eagles brought a mini basketball hoop with them to Indianapolis. And several prospects at the combine have said at their meetings with the Eagles, they've shot free throws. So there's Nick Sirianni uh, bringing the Papa shot uh, to get people competitive. And then it was uh, Ben Standing who covers the uh, Washington Commanders um, saying Sam Howell had a meeting with the Eagles, which is probably not going to excite Jody McDonald. Uh, but he was asked to shoot the free throws, and he missed three of five. Oh, he's so Sam he Howell. He can't play so, anyway. And so he can't Sam Howell's off the board. He jokes. He's off the board. Matt, Matt, Sam yeah. Howell. Yeah, he uh, he's off the board. So uh, Sam joked that. So Sam having a little bit of fun. So um, yeah, uh, there you have it. Got the Papa shot mini hoop out there. So who got questions about the mini hoop, the 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 free throw shooting? See, that's the beauty of rock, paper, scissors. You don't have to drag anything out there. And all you got to do is show up with two hands and you're good to go with rock, paper, scissors. 
for the coach. Um, yeah, but this is just another chance for us to learn a little bit more about Nick Sirianni because it's something that he needs to be good at. He's got to develop uh, with it. We saw his first ever uh, press appearance here in Philadelphia go awry, and a whole lot of people were ready to bury him day one before he'd ever coached one day. It's a new experience. The way you handle yourself, the way you're part of the process, uh, earlier you pointed out correctly so the Doug Peterson is going to have some cachet down there in Jacksonville. Um, Trent Baalke, the general manager, uh, he's in charge and the owner stuck by him, but they were going to bring in more help in the front office. They decided to put that aside for now and that the owner came out and said, yeah, we're, we're going to lean on Doug with his experience and with the fact that he's a championship coach. Uh, are the Eagles going to lean on Nick Sirianni that much more in helping try and get a picture for all these young guys who they may be drafting come April? Um, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, the, you know, I always talk about uh, Doug and, you know, what he should have uh, been given here in Philadelphia. And it's interesting. He earned more cachet in Jacksonville that he did in Philadelphia for what he did in Philadelphia. Um, no, I think the Eagles do things the way they do them. And, you know, it'll be a collaborative process. And Howie always says, look, if you're not doing what your coaching staff wants, uh, you're not doing a good job as a personnel department. But as far as how the Eagles set this thing up, um, you know, the personnel department does most of the work, most of the heavy lifting, Andy Weidel, you know, sets the draft board um and it's a collaborative process as we always talk about the buzzword around the nfl it seems like every one of those new gms that were hired this offseason jody they started off with that it's got to be a collaborative process blah 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 everybody says the same thing but i somebody's got to make a decision i say it all the time um you know it's great you know it, it and number one, you know, you and I do this show all all the time, every day, Monday through Friday. We agree on some stuff. We disagree on some stuff, which is pretty natural. Uh, I, if you got 20 stinking people in the room that agree on everything, I, I don't want to I don't want to deal with those 20 people because they're not thinking outside the box. That sounds to me like there's a bunch of yes men behind the guy who makes the decision. So um, somebody's got to make the decision. And in Philadelphia, that's Howie Roseman, for good or for bad. Right. Most he, people think it's bad, but you know, he's it's probably better the than they think. How yeah. much input others are going to have is debatable, and none of us know for sure, and we can – find out after the fact someone's opinion as to how much how he took into consideration but now he's the only one who really knows um how much he is listening to others bottom line is it's going to be his call to make when the eagles were on the board um do want to ask you about the coach uh, and the influence they have coaches i should say um because i asked you about Sirianni, the defensive coordinator um know that he uh, uh interviewed for the Houston head coaching job, didn't get it. So Jonathan Gannon is coming back here. He's kind of a lightning rod guy. People either like him a lot or dislike him a lot. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. 
I don't dislike him. I don't love him. I acknowledge what he did last year, and I think he's got some guts to stick with what he had. Um, who do we have on as he got? Oh, Johnny Clark yesterday. Uh, Brian Dawkins saying he adjusted and made changes last year and became more aggressive. I don't believe that. I believe he coached the way he coached all year long. I think the opposition dictated some results more so than Jonathan Gannon, a light bulb went on over his head and he just, Oh, I've got to do the things differently. I don't believe that happened. That's not the way I saw it. And I actually like the fact that he stuck to his guns, uh, but he's going to be back as Eagles DC. Certainly Sirianni is going to have his hands in on formulating opinions on players who could come in as Eagle offensive draftees. How much sway do you think that Gannon's going to have? How much is he going to be able to move Howie Rogeman's needle on the defensive side of the ball, do you think? You know, this is one of the 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 more perplexing things of this draft for me. Everybody says the Eagles, and I tend to agree, certainly they need defense, defense, defense. Um, and, you know, I'm, on, I'm in the camp to where I don't think they're taking all three of those first-round picks anyway. But if they do, if they're forced to, and Matt uh, Bergeram said, you know, People are looking to trade down. Um, you know, if a bunch of people are looking to trade down, that's going to make it more difficult for you to trade down. So there's no guarantee you can get two to tango on a specific pick. And that's why Matt also said maybe they try to get something done before the draft and we'll get more clarity. But if they're forced to take those three first-round picks, and I, I think I asked John Clark this yesterday as well, you know, and he said, yes, I don't think they have the discipline to take three defensive players. I don't, I don't, I do not t- think they will take three defensive players. I can't imagine a franchise run by Jeffrey Lurie with an offensive minded head coach, by the way, as they always have dating back to the days of uh, Ray Rhodes Um Look, they're they're taking an offensive player if they're taking three players. Um, I don't know where. Could be a receiver. Could be a quarterback. Uh, could be an offensive lineman. Um, there's no running back worthy. Not that they would take a running back. There's no tight end worthy. Uh, not that they would take a tight end with Dallas Goddard. So you can eliminate certain positions. But they're taking a, an offensive player if they're selecting three players in the first round. So does Jonathan Gannon have some input as far as what edge rusher he would like? Yeah. You saw that last year with Milton Williams and the whole draft room sort of kerfuffle with Tom Donahoe, who wanted uh, the kid from who got drafted by Detroit, Alan uh, McNeil, I believe is his name. wanted more of a stout defensive tackle. And Jonathan Gannon wanted that, you know, undersized, speedy, potential pass rushing threat. Uh, and he won out. So that kind of – does he have some impact? Yes. Uh, but, it, you know, it's there's there's limits on it, certainly. All right, J-Mac, before we go to our uh, next break, I want to run this by you because, man, I when I ran through this yesterday, I said – For me, this couldn't work better for the Philadelphia Eagles. If they're going to keep all three picks, which probably not. They'll probably – some people think or want to see them trade up. I don't think that's happening. 
Some people want to see him trade down. We just had Matt Verderam who said, yeah, a whole bunch of teams are looking to trade down, and you rightfully uh, put that in, in its proper position of, if you're trading down, everybody else is trading down. It gets difficult to trade down because you're kind of like flooding the market with move down. Somebody's got to want to move up and give up extra capital to target a guy. Um, so I think there's a there's a, the, the chances are improving that the Eagles are going to use all three picks, and they may use them right in the slots that they're using them in. So let me run this by you. Buck, are you a Bucky Brooks fan from the NFL Network and NFL? Network? Yeah, I like Bucky. I saw his draft, and I said the same thing as you. I say uh, the Eagles aren't getting Kyle Hamilton at 15. Uh, holy, holy mackerel. For, for those of you who haven't been on NFL.com since yesterday, uh, here's Bucky Brooks. Mach 2, the one right before the combine, because, you know, after the combine, there's always some fluidity and things change. So you get one out right before the combine, then you put another one out, and you just continue to churn out mock drafts until we get to actual draft day. But here was the way he ran it down yesterday. Evan Neal, big offensive tackle, going number one at Jacksonville. Aiden Hutchinson, obvious Michigan guy, staying home number two. Uh, Houston going Kayvon Thibodeau, number three, has been the top guy for most of the year, has fallen a little bit. Falling from one to three doesn't kill you. Uh, the Jets going with the, with the offensive tackle from North Carolina State, Ikanwu. Um, Giants at number five, Charles Cross, offensive tackle for Mississippi State. So three of the first five picks, OTs. At six, your first quarterback, Kenny Pickett to Carolina. Seven, the Giants back up again. They take David Ajabo. Might be a little high for him. Could he go number seven? Yeah, he could. Both of the Michigan guys could go in the first seven picks. Uh, Sauce Gardner, who I know some Eagle fans just flat out love and hope that he falls down to them. Big, rangy cornerback. I kind of agree with this pick. I don't think there's any way he gets down to the middle of the first round. I don't know if he's going to go number eight to Atlanta, but uh, I do think he's a top 10 type guy. Devin Lloyd, nine, the linebacker from Utah. Some people think the Eagles should be uh, looking at him. Well, they <laughs> might not ever get the chance if he's going at number nine, so you don't have to sweat that. Uh, Jets take Garrett Wilson, who is the preferred of the two Ohio State wide receivers for me. I like them both, but I like Garrett Wilson better, and that's why he's going to the, the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. At number 10, I'm good with that. Uh, Commanders at 11, Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU. Uh, Carl Laftis, the out the pass rushing edge guy from Purdue, going twelve. A lot of people have him mocked to the Eagles, not per Bucky. I do. You do too. You get you're on Carl Laftis right now. Yes. Yes, Okay. That that could change. Uh, Drake London, first wide receiver off the board to Cleveland at thirteen. Ravens take Tyler Linderbaum. Is another guy that a lot of people have going to the Eagles. I say not if Jason Kelsey's coming back. If Jason Kelsey surprises us all next week and comes in and goes, thanks for the memories. I'll go get that great uh, cafeteria food elsewhere. Yeah. Then I think Linderbaum becomes more of a possibility. He would not be there in Bucky Brooks mock draft, so the Eagles might have to move up a little if they want to get him. But he goes off the board at number 14, which means at 15, Kyle Hamilton is sitting there for the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, they get the, – I think Kyle Hamilton might be the best player in the draft. So I know he I. plays safety, and safety isn't the position of glamour that it once was in the NFL, but if you can get Kyle Hamilton and not have to trade up to do it, 
that he drops down to you at number 15. How good is that for the Eagles? They get the other uh, Ohio State wide receiver, Chris Olave, at 16, which you're kind of on record as saying, no shot, no chance. No. Eagles are not and that's way, that's way too high for Olave. You don't have to take him at 16. You, you could right away, you could take him at 19. There's no way. He, he's probably, I think he's going in the 20s. Okay, uh, but let me let me uh, make a comparison for you here. If I told you, and I'm just running down Bucky Brooks's draft for you, if I tell you at number 16, the Philadelphia Eagles take Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from Florida State, and at number 19, they take yeah. Chris Olave, who was it? The, oh, uh, the Giants last year, who took uh, the wide Kadarius receiver. Tony, uh, yeah, I, right. I said, and in fact, I said, you know, if they took Ojolari in the first round, Exactly. And, and took Tony in the second round, I'd be fine with it. Um, yeah, that would be a better case scenario. Um, my point is you just don't have to take uh, – we just disagree, Bucky and I. You don't have to take Alave that high. I don't think the Eagles would be in business. They would be – if they're going to take a receiver, it's going to be – I think they take a flyer on Williams coming back off the ACL because he's so dynamic. Um you know, Burks, I don't think is going to be here. Did, did he even have Burks going in the Not top? Yet. No, Burks uh, yeah, is on see, the board. He's taking to me, Wilson, Wilson, Burks. yeah, Burks is way better than Alave. If he's on the board, they would they would take him. He's got some Debo Samuel. Everybody's looking for that type of player now because of Debo Samuel. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you had going to the Jets, so he's off. And I don't think he would be there. Uh, anyway, for the Eagles, uh, I think the two guys who won't be there for the Eagles at wide receiver are Wilson and Burks. Um, and Williams is kind of and, and uh, Jets on London is going to be gone if you're talking wide receivers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if London because London is, and London's by the way, go, London's going before Burks. I uh, see. I don't think so for this reason. Okay. For this reason, Burks is Burks is the most versatile receiver um and he lines up all over the place he's compared himself to which he shouldn't do to Debo Samuel and obviously that's the hot everybody's looking for the next Debo Samuel which they're not going to find by the way but now London is this big giant receiver and especially why I don't want him here for the Eagles now he's going to be much much better much better. I'm not trying. I'm just comparing them traits-wise to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I'm not saying he's going to be that bad. But when you have a big guy who doesn't create a ton of separation, but is just bigger and stronger and can make catches, that scares the living you-know-what about me uh, when they go to the NFL level. Because if you can't create separation, things get really, really difficult. But that's why I, that's why I like Olave. He can create separation. Well, I have no problem with a lobby. I just don't think he's in the conversation that high in the draft. You know, if you can trade down, as we talked about, all right, and so get – I don't think you need to take him at 19. So even if the Eagles – and by the way, so I'm on like 16 hurdles here, Jody. I don't think they're taking a wide receiver. Number one, that's number one hurdle. Uh, number two – if they do take one, I think, you know, 
I think they want to go for more of a home run, which is why I would go Williams if he falls because of the ACL. Um, and, and, and three, I don't think you need to take, I don't think you need to reach for that particular player that high and you could trade back. But then we talk about, well, how many teams want to trade back? We talk about the valuation aspect of it. I think they would just go, you know, take another stab at quarterback. If you like, if you like one of the quarterbacks, if you take the, if you take the Papa shot out there, and Malik Willis goes five for five, or Matt Coral, Sam Howell already ruined it for himself, whomever, Malik Willis. If anybody's there, I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be there that late. But who knows? Who knows? And he makes five for five, and he shows he's competitive. You know, another dart, Jody. As yeah, a, as I, they I, say. I don't see him using a dart on a quarterback. I think yeah. it's... Uh, even though they've done it three years running, if you include a second-round pick, a high pick on a wide receiver, I think they'll go back for a fourth time before they pick one of the quarterbacks in this group. Just my uh, read. All right, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, hanging with Youngbird 365. Let's take a timeout and come back and talk more about the combine here on Birds. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
John McMullen and Jody McDonald are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Yes, Eagle fans, you must make notes. If you don't catch it live, you got to be able to see it on tape shortly thereafter, certainly sometime before Birds 365 tomorrow. Both Harry Roseman and Nick Curiani are going to talk to the entire media base out in Indianapolis. Certainly it's going to air here in Philadelphia, but it'll be on the NFL Network because I jump into all these press availabilities. Uh, they had a bunch of them yesterday, including Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. Uh, they'll have a bunch more today, including the uh, two ma- major movers and shakers in putting together the Philadelphia Eagles, their head coach and their general manager. Uh, one last thing on Bucky Brooks's mock draft number two. Uh, you're kind of surprised and maybe even a little bit put off by the fact that uh, Trayvon Burks from Arkansas, not in the first round. Are you serious? Bucky wow. does not have him in the first round, not selected in the first round, and you're talking his kid up pretty good, which you said one thing I couldn't believe. He's comparing himself to Debo Samuel? Yeah, he did. Really? Well, I, I well, thought, he's not you know, the only one. I'm just looking at, at 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 Dane Brugler, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, has the skills to grow into a number one receiver with some similarities to Debo Samuel. You know, it's interesting. Um, so you're saying someone else said it about him, not him? No, well, about I himself. think I someone else said it about him, but. I think Traylon said it about himself today. Okay. I think I'm and, not. 100%. Oh, by the way, I sorry to interrupt, but I just want to get this point. I I thought maybe I missed something when you said that because I had never drawn that comparison in my own mind. Wow, did they use him as one of those end around uh, jet sweep type guys? He had twelve rushes this year. Twelve rushes. Yeah. Well, in no, 12 they, games. It, yeah. What the hell? Takes, well, that takes you know, he plays inside a lot which I think is more, it's more of a projection, obviously, than, you know, Debo didn't, you know, and and now he's like a running back, Um, you know, so you have to get people, and we talked about it with Micah Parsons. I've been talking about this. I'm going to beat this into, you're probably going to get sick of me saying this. You know, take a victory lap, JM. If you earned it, you earned it. No, my my only point is you you do, and Matt Verderan brought this up, you have to get guys with right coaches. I think he's right. He's a hundred percent right. If Michael Parsons lands in another situation and they're just going to put him an all Paul linebacker, I don't think he's the same stinking player. So, I mean, so much of this depends on where you land. And if you land with a coach that is willing to use your abilities in the offensive case, you know, Kyle Shanahan, you know, there's 32, uh, uh, either head coaches or offensive coordinators that run offenses in this league, Jody. And there aren't many of them that would use Debo Samuel like Debo Samuel. In other words, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a big part of that and his open-mindedness and what I talked about and his willingness to, to move him around and utilize everything he can do. A bunch of other, and I would say the vast majority of the offensive coaches in this league would just line them up outside the numbers and let him play and he wouldn't be Debo Samuel. So a lot of this depends on where you, you line up, but you know, it's interesting to me because, you know, I was just looking at it because I, I said, wow, where's Burks. So, you know, Dane had Burks at 
13 on his big board. And and Daniel Jeremiah had him at 14. So kind of a consensus between two of the bigger draft people. Right. Um, and, you know, same thing with Garrett Wilson. Uh, Dane had him at 11. Uh, DJ had him at 6. So he's even higher. So, you know, Drake London, who you mentioned, but I just don't like for the Eagles. Not that he's not a good player. He just scares me the type of player he is for the Eagles. Um, uh, Dane had him at 16. Uh, DJ had him at 13. So consensus there. Uh, Jameson, Jameson Williams, who I mentioned, coming off the ACL. Uh, 22 for Brugler, 27 for Jeremiah, and and most of that, they both acknowledge if he didn't tear his ACL, it would probably be about 10 spots higher. Uh, so maybe there's some value there. Uh, Chris Alave, who you like a lot, very same there, 25. One has him at 25, one has him at 26. Um, so those are your receivers you're talking about. If, if the Eagles stand pat, and I would think, you know, 19, you know, uh, you know, pick your I, – I don't think you're going to have a, a, a cho- choice at Wilson or Burks, but that, you know, hey, maybe maybe you do have a chance at Burks. I would leap at that. But then again, is Nick Sirianni going to use him correctly? I don't know. I don't know. So you, you don't trust the offensive coordinator? I, 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 I don't be... trust. It's not a, a shot at Nick Sirianni. Like, it, literally, if you told me to pick another offensive coach that we use Debo Samuel, like we know Debo Samuel now, I can't pick one. Maybe Sean? Maybe Sean McVay? Maybe? I, I don't know. I can't pick one. Uh, you know, is there another defensive coach that is going to use Michael Parsons the way Dan Quinn used? And by the way, Dan Quinn only used Michael Parsons that way because he had to because of injury. Yeah, he kind of got forced into it yeah. because of all his stuff with their defensive ends. Yeah. So when I say about this, and this is where I said you're going to get sick of me saying this, when I talk about Kyle Hamilton being able to be more than a safety well, that's in my mind, and I hope I can find a coach who would utilize him. But the vast majority of guys are just going to stick him at strong safety. And then it's like, well, then, yeah, the value isn't there at top five. And that's where where people talk about, you know, can you take a safety that high? But even in that type of situation, Jody, I don't think he's dropping a 15. I, I don't think so. Uh, you can only hope Eagle fans that that's the case because both John and I really like the player and think he's got a chance to be something special on the next level. Um, Notre Dame didn't use him as a jack of all trades. Yeah, he moved, he moved over. He he played a lot. He played linebacker. He played. No, I don't watch a ton of them, but I I read the scouting reports. He played a lot of slot corner. Um, I'm not going to overstate it, but he played some linebacker. He was also hurt a lot last year. Um, I think more it was him being cautious because he knew how valuable he was as a potential draft pick. But he played both safety slots. He played some linebacker. He played some slot corner. Um, And I think he can do more than that. But, yeah, I look at um, Tyron uh, Matthew – 
Matthew or or Bub, uh, Buddha Baker, and they're much smaller, but they're able to move around, and and their teams use them in a lot of different ways. I think he could be a great slot blitzer. But again, is Jonathan Gannon going to use him that way? I don't know. He talks about Harrison Smith a lot. Yeah, I, there it, you it, go. It, if you if you use him the way Harrison Smith uh, has been used, you know, especially earlier in his career, obviously he's getting older. He's 32, 33, whatever he is now. Not the same as he once was, but um, you get – him at 25 26 and utilize him like that i'd take that i i i would i would take that you have that faith that your uh defense coordinator is going to be able to figure out exactly how to use them and get the most out of them sometimes it's a lot easier said than done one that comes to mind with me is uh jamal adams of jets uh, they talked about jamal adams and that when he was coming into draft he's not a prototypic safety and you need to use them differently and the jets never really figured it out at least for my liking and that's why they ended up trading him i give seattle credit and they give up a lot to get him at least they said he's not a safety he's a linebacker slash pass rusher we're not going to attempt to put a square peg in a round hole this guy can do something different than any other quote-unquote safety in the league could do he's going to get after the quarterback and that's what we're going to do and it actually worked for him when he was on the field for them because he had injury issues as well. All right, uh, J-Mac, do want to uh, kind of uh, bring it back to the Eagles and the most important position on the field. Uh, yesterday, I guess it was on the Today Show. Sorry, I'm kind of busy during the Today Show. I'm here with you on Birds 365. Uh, but Russell Wilson showed up on the Today Show and was asked about what he thought about coming to an East Coast team to play football here in 2022. Um, it, it was a Washington-based guy who was asking the question, and he might have been asking more for the commanders than he was for the Eagles, but he did pose the question as East Coast team. Russell Wilson came out and said, listen, right now I'm here in Seattle. I love Seattle. I'm happy in Seattle. He didn't leave a lot of wiggle room and interpretation in there. He didn't slam the door and say, listen, I got a no trade clause. I'm going nowhere fast, which he could have done. Um, but he was pretty definitive about the fact that he's planning on staying in Seattle. Now, something could go awry. Somebody could say something. He could get um, uh, ticked off at something the Seahawks do as far as a move goes. But it doesn't look like he's going to be available to the Eagles and or anybody else. And I think you uh, touched on this earlier in the show. Here's the one thing that's bothered me about this whole Russell Wilson to the Eagles thing. I think everyone has woefully underrated what the cost to get Russell Wilson is going to be. And it's twofold. Number one, what you're going to have to give up in trade to get Russell Wilson. And then number two, which I'll just go ahead and guarantee to you today, the first thing that Russell Wilson's going to do if he gets traded is hammer out a uh, contract extension before he ever puts that uniform on. He's got that no trade clause. He's got that kind of power. He's going to say, all right, well, let's talk about sticking three more years on the back end of my deal. And let's start in Aaron Rodgers territory, 45 to 50 million per. That's the first thing that's going to happen. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why Russell Wilson will end up not getting traded because he knows it. And I think the teams inside the National Football League know it. The only ones who don't know it are the fans who are believing, ooh, we might be able to trade for Russell Wilson. <clears throat> no, you can't. Well, yeah, we talked about hurdles. There's 97 hurdles with before you get to that point. You mentioned a bunch of them. And number one, yeah, I mean, Russell was uh, – yeah, he, he was with his wife during that interview, and he was being very diplomatic. So I, he, the whole thing was, I love the East Coast. I love Seattle. I love – he loved everything. Um, so, you know, A, would he want to play in Philadelphia? Well, last year the answer to that was no. His agent put out four teams. I believe it was four teams. It might have been five, whatever. But Philadelphia was not one of them. Um, again, but, and I mentioned this with John Clark yesterday, things have changed since last year when Deshaun Watson turned the Eagles down as well. Um, you know, Nick Sirianni was, I don't want to say a laughing stock, but you know, he was not well received after that opening, uh, press conference. The better description would be an unknown. He's no longer an unknown. He's the best rookie head coach in the league last year and he's got a little bit more cachet this time around um if you were a quarterback looking at this team last year you would say where are the weapons where are the weapons now you have Devontae smith um you know you need more than that now you have dallas goddard not potential not now you know he's one of the best tight ends in the league Still not where it needs to be, but a lot better than it was last year. So maybe some of these quarterbacks revisit some of the reasons why they didn't want to be here last year and say, well, this guy's a pretty good head coach, pretty good offensive head coach. Um, they got some good weapons now, and maybe they add another. We just talked about a lot of the receivers in the draft. Who knows what happens? Obviously, a quarterback trade would probably happen before that. But anyway, it looks better is my, my point. Now, the money stuff is interesting because, you know, and I've been saying this and, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, Brad Spielberger, who we have on the show, to give me a valuation of a potential um, Jalen Hurts extension next year. If he plays, and I brought this up with you. If he plays similar to this season, right? So, similar statistics, first round playoff, um, Pro Bowl alternate status, you know, not at the top level, but just right where he is. I think that's going to be really, really expensive when the salary cap kicks up to 2023 so you gave me a a number of 45 million which i certainly don't think is outrageous by 2023 um at least and and when you're talking about extension that's what you'd be doing you'd be kicking off with the the, with the acknowledgement the salary cap's going to spike up and then it's not going to look as bad um so i'll ask you you know okay what's it going to be though in 2023 45 million for Russell Wilson or what for Jalen Hurts? I don't know what that number is going to be, but I think it's going to start at 
25 million. Yeah. It's going to be somewhere between 25 and low 30s would be my guess. If he does, and you said stay exactly the same. If they and, he, and we're all assuming exactly he improves. If he stays exactly the same, I don't think the Eagles will uh, look to extend him. He needs to show improvement. I think he showed improvement from rookie year to second year and becoming the starter. I think he needs to show improvement from year two to year three. If he does, if he jumps all the way into the top 10, then there's no question to ask. He's the Eagles starting quarterback and they'll pay him what they need to pay him. But if he improves incrementally, goes from the 17th best quarterback, that's what they, uh, Pro Football Focus, had him rated. So this next year, he's the 15th which is kind of important because 17th is in the second half and 15th is in the first half because right there at that dividing line of 16 teams in the 32-team league, you're only moving up two slots, but it's actually kind of more than that. If that's the case, and I think that's the point you have to make, if he's 17th now and he's 17th again and his touchdowns are the same, his interceptions are the same, I don't think the Eagles are going to talk extension with him because they know it's going to be 20-plus million. And I think they'll go, yeah, no, play one more year on your contract, and then we'll all see. We'll let we'll let the year after decide for us. Well, there's right. no yeah, there's no doubt they're gonna let him play this season. They can't even talk about an extension. So that's what the Eagles that's the luxury the well, Eagles. I'm talking about have. the the next season. If he has well, the season that we're describing, will they do an extension at the end of next year? If he's the same, I don't think they're gonna do it. I think they say well, let's see you play the fourth year on your uh, contract, Jalen. Well, that's um, that's interesting because if – and the reason why I said the same and the reason why I – because I <clears> – excuse me. I'm trying to get to the people to understand to the level of what he played at last year and what that would cost in the future. Um now, if he gets better, and I think most people assume he's going to get better or at least hope he's going to. Now, he could take a negative turn. We've seen it. But I think most people say he's an evolving quarterback. Well, if he evolves the way people want him to into a top 10 quarterback, say 10, 11, then that number goes from what, 25 to 30? Yep. Uh, then the number's only going up, and all of a sudden – you know, you start talking about, okay, 45 versus 30 million, 45 versus 35 million. And then you start to gauge, all right, proven Hall of Fame level quarterback, Super Bowl winner, blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is the finances shouldn't be as big as a deal as people are making out to be because the shelf life is short. And I get what you're saying, Jody. In theory, they have two years, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. But man, that's a theory. That's a vacuum. His agent, Nicole Lynn, will not allow it to happen if he plays at a similar level. He will not be playing as lame duck. You might try to push it, um, but we well, know that... What, the, what's he going to do? Hold out? No, he's not going to hold out. It's just going to be this incredible... You see it in every city. This incredible... You're seeing it with Kyler Murray. Now it's different. Obviously, he's got more leverage. We have this missive of a statement released. Uh, the point is, it, you, the history of this league is that if you have, and, and you saw it with Howie Roseman last year. Now, in the history of the, the Eagles as a whole, 
they identify players they want early, they try to extend them early, and they try to get cost-effective deals for the team. That's the way the Eagles would go. So worst-case scenario, if they want Jalen Hurts, if they want Jalen Hurts, they will go that route, and they will try to get it done as quickly as possible to get the biggest discount that they could possibly get. So everything's about, I don't even think it's an argument for that reason, because if the Eagles want them, that's the tack that they are going to take. They want to get the deal done as early as possible, because the longer you wait, the higher it goes, the higher it goes. Key, key to your sentence there being if. Just the fact that you use the word if tells me that the Eagles don't believe that he's guaranteed to be the guy. If you're going to do it, you're putting a level of guarantee on your feeling, on your evaluation of the player. I don't think they're there. I think no, I, I agree the old with that. Stephen Still song, love the one you're with. That's where I think the Eagles are at right now with Jalen Hurts. If they can get Russell Wilson, if they can get, they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it. So do I believe that they'll just say, oh, let's get ahead of the curve and save $5 million a year by getting Jalen Hurts done now? Not after what just happened with Carson Wentz and it's down. They made that commitment. They got out in front. They got the deal done. How'd that work out for the Eagles? Not good. So I don't think unless he shows improvement this year from year two to year three that the Eagles are going to say, all right, let's sit down and hammer out a deal. Well, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Everything's about evaluation. And certainly this year, yes. I And my only point for trying to get people to understand what a potential extension would look like for a player playing at that level is – do you want to be in the in the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr category? Because that's the category you're going to be in. Or do you want to be in the 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 top category? And the 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 money difference between that top five category in that middle range category isn't as drastic as people think it is. <clears throat> so you could play it out for two years, yeah. To me, though, if the Eagles play it out for two years, that already tells you they've made their decision that he's not the long-term guy. And I'll say this, uh, then you've gone with a bridge quarterback for three years. And do you really want to go with a bridge quarterback for three years? Uh, Hold on. Let me answer that question for you. You threw it out there. I'll answer. Yes, if the if the uh, potential other side of the equation is you give Jalen Hurts a Carson Wentz uh, contract because, yeah, you did. You took your shot. And Carson Wentz was certainly in a better position to command that kind of deal, and it blew up in their face. I'm not going there with Jalen Hurts if he's the 17th or 18th best quarterback in the league again this year. I have to see progress. I have to st- see a step up. If he's flatlining, am I going – Ooh, we better get him done. So we, because in our mind, we talked ourselves into the fact. No, that and I don't die. think that's what the Eagles would do. My, my question for you, Jody, is this. <clears throat> if, if he prove, improves incrementally, obviously he has to improve. If he goes backwards, it's an easy, easy decision. No, John, you stated. He stayed, what you said was the example you used was he stayed the same. 
that's well, yeah. not improving incrementally. That's not going backwards. That's a very definitive. No, flat but but stand. my only my my only point for saying staying the same is I'm trying to get people to understand what his value would be at the level he's playing at now. Not that the Eagles would do it. I don't think they would do it. I'm saying you have to drastically overplay for that production at quarterback right now for what he performed last year. If he were up for a contract this year, he'd be getting paid a boatload of money for what he did last year. And I don't think that's the way the Eagles want to go. Now I'll, I'll give a shout out to our buddy, uh, Brandon Lee Gowden, how he did as he does an interview with eagles.com and he gave you know this is as honest as you're going to get and and brandon transcribed it this is what howie said if you do things that are down the middle the way the league kind of sets this up yeah you may win 10 games you may make the playoffs but it's hard to be world champions it's hard for the confetti to fall on your head when you do things like that, the Eagles aren't I, by no means am I saying the Eagles are paying 25 to $30 million for what Jalen Hurts produced last year. I'm just trying to get people to understand the value of what it would cost versus trying to go out and hit the home run. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hit the home run. I don't think I don't think Jalen Hurts has that ceiling. I've, I've been honest from the start. Either I, I either go goal in, I, or you I, don't. I, maybe I misunderstood what you were trying to do. I thought you were just trying to come up with a scenario where the Eagles are threading the needle, and <clears> chances <throat> are the needle isn't going to be thread. Either Jalen Hurts is going to be better, or he's going to be lesser. If he's better, then yes, they're going to have the conversation. He's going to be all right, 25, 27, 28, whatever the number is. The better he plays, add an extra million per year to that deal. Yeah, they're going to be more likely to try and get that deal done. If he comes back and he's either the same or worse, no, I I don't care what Jalen Hurts and I can't compare uh, Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts. Kyler Murray's the number one pick in the draft. <clears throat> Jalen Hurts was middle of the, uh, the, the the bottom third of the second round. It's not just, it's apples and oranges for me. So Kyler Murray and his agent can step out and go, yeah, we're ready to commit. Let's talk about an extension even earlier than need be. Well, he can get away with that because he's Kyler Murray. Even though their production isn't that different, their status in the league is significantly different. So if you got to tell Jalen Hurts, listen, Jalen, we're going to ask you to sing for your supper again. We're going to make you to go out and, and show us that you are going to improve. You're trending up. That's the only way I think the Eagles make a contract extension offer to Jalen Hurts or even open that conversation. All right, we got to take our final timeout, come back. Oh, I got one more question for you, McMullen. Eagles adding a wide receiver. You think it's not happening in the draft. You think it's happening in free agency. I'm going to give you another way that the Eagles can get a wide receiver. We'll do that to wrap up the show next year on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. J Mac and J Mac. Tony McCom, John McMullen, your first 365 guys. Uh, uh, time is running nigh on today's show. I got uh, Good Morning Football on in the background. Shame on me. One quick confession here, because confession is good for the soul. Uh, as a relaxed Catholic individual, shame <laughs> on me. I didn't even realize. Is today Ash Wednesday? Uh, well, I'm even more relaxed than you are, Jody, as far as my Catholic upbringing. So I don't know. Neither um, did I, and I'm admitting it. I'm copping to yeah. it, Jim. I mean, I should know what Ash Wednesday is if I'm any kind of Catholic. Yeah, uh, I, they should, just, I should know that. But They uh, had John Lynch on. I believe it was a live interview or taped just over the last hour or whatever. Either he's got the worst makeup person in the world. Yes, no, it is. I or just it's Ash it. Wednesday. He had the little spot up there on the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should have known I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm, Please forgive me, big yeah. guy. Well, uh, I'm so lapsed that there, uh, there's no forgiving. So uh, uh, I, I'll keep asking. All right. Uh, last thing for the Mac and Mac guys here today. Um, and we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow because Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are both going to meet with the media out in Indianapolis today. Uh, I've been doing this forever, and I do it with John. I do it on any show I do. I think it's one of the staples of sports talk, be it on the radio, here on YouTube, is – hypothetical situations and because i lean on it as much as i do i think i've gotten real good at it if you're gonna do a hypothetical you have to really 
uh, put forth the situation in the terms you're talking about. That's why I was just busting McMullen's chops about, well, if they do an extension. Well, no, well, how good is he? How much better does he play? Where are we ranking him? I try and get as, as finite with my hypotheticals as I can. I'm going to do that for you right now, John. Howie Roseman takes a call from the Seattle Seahawks general manager. He says, we've just traded Russell Wilson to the New York Giants. So we're going in full-blown rebuild mode. We're going to take four steps back to take five steps forward down the road. How would you like DK Metcalf? We don't need DK if we're going to bring in a rookie quarterback. We're not going to win. We're not going to compete. Uh, this is the final year of DK's contract. He is because he was a second-round draft pick. You don't have that fifth year for him, so he's got one more year on a rookie deal. And then you, Howie Roseman, are going to have to re-sign him to whatever his next deal is going to be, which is going to be expensive. I need a first-round draft pick. If Howie Roseman offers them number 19, will Seattle take that? No. Um but, you know, it's interesting because I've heard the DK Metcalf stuff and I don't know where it came from. Um, I don't know where it originated. Um, you know, John Snyder's one of, one of, you know, we talked about Les Need before Les Need was John Snyder. I mean, they don't give a you know what about first round picks. I mean, Seattle constantly trading out of the first round. Um DK was drafted 2019, same year as JJ. So um, last year was rookie deal, very cost effective as a second round pick. Um, if you trade for him, guess what that comes with? We were just talking extensions. Correct. Top of the line money. Um, so from both sides, look, I think he's a great bid for the Eagles. It would make up for fans constantly bring it up. Even though he's a medical red shirt, he wasn't on the Eagles board. He's proven to be healthy. He's proven a lot of teams, by the way, crossed him off their boards because of some issues he had with his neck. But um, he's obviously proven uh, himself as a player. Uh, I would love to see him here. Certainly would be a fit. Uh, certainly a great player. Uh, really, I, I don't think Seattle, I don't know why Seattle would make that trade. I hear what you're saying. If they trade Russell Wilson, I've even said, you know, seen people say, put a package together, get Russell and DK Metcalf. Look at Pete Carroll. We've talked about a lot at 70 years old. You know, what the hell does he want to be back for if he's got no players, but you know, they have another year with him. Um, maybe if he starts creating some issues because he wants his extension, uh, and he's eligible to his extension. Uh, from a football perspective, yes, but I don't see how it fits. All right, so if number 19 is on the table, you say the Eagles offer it. You say Seattle doesn't take it. They turn well, they it down. they don't like first-round picks. I mean. Okay, then then would you sweeten the pot, Howie Roseman, and go, all right, I can oh, only no. give you my first first-round pick. I'll give you the, the, no. the 14th pick rather than the 19th. No, I think it's plenty for about valuation. I just think Seattle's one of those teams that don't value picks as much as other teams. I mean, I got to look at their history. Maybe I'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow when I do a little bit more research. But, man, Seattle doesn't take a lot of first-round picks. They do not value um, uh, draft picks. They were the Rams before the Rams. So and that's I, 
That's why it's a hypothetical. I'm creating a situation here. They got to trade Russell Wilson first. Because if they don't trade Russell Wilson, why the hell would you trade DK Metcalf? You're going to try and keep Russell. You're not going to trade a star wide receiver out from under him. That doesn't work a little bit. So you have to be moving Russell Wilson elsewhere and then say, yes, we're actually going into full rebuild mode. And then they, yes, have to value first-round draft pick, even though it runs afoul of the way they've been doing business there for the last several years. Uh, That's why it's called a hypothetical, John. Thank you for playing along. I appreciate it. All right. uh, We are plumb out of time. As a matter of fact, we're uh, slightly over. I'm going to show up 22 hours from now. Are you? Yeah, with some information on the Seattle Seahawks. I'll bring that along. That and, yeah, what Howie Roseman and yeah. Nick Sirianni well, said. That'll say. be more important. Yeah, I mean, thinks that will be the dominating issue on Birds 365 tomorrow in 2 and 2. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.